There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the Word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you only look, then you will see On WCN-TV Out of the seats and into the streets. Do radio. BJ Edwards subbing today and, and looking forward to the opportunity. We're going to have, we're going to have a lot of interesting things you're going to want to hear about today. The big C, COVID. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's just absolutely incredible. We've got a great guest today. Got a great guest today. Something you probably aren't thinking about a whole lot, but you probably should be thinking about a whole lot. And we're going, to, we're going to talk a little bit about prayer towards the end of the program. I was listening to a discussion earlier this week and about prayer, and uh, it got a little interesting, especially when it comes to the relationship between work and prayer. How do you work that out? For example, how much of each should you do, and can you just do one, and God will be okay with that? Pray only? Work only? Some brothers and sisters might say that prayer is all they can do and might even feel guilty about not being able to do the works section. So how do we work that out? Stay tuned. That's a tease. That's a tease. (laughs) COVID, COVID, COVID. My wife and I, date night is Friday night. So we go to the restaurant and there's always the angst about, well, is BJ going to wear a mask or not? Is he going to cause trouble? So God was taking care of me. Well, sort of, kind of, Friday, because when we went out, we're in Ohio, the heart of it all. And our emperor, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he thinks he's an emperor. Our governor has been gracious enough to change the rules in in terms of going out to eat in other places. So on the doors now, if you've had a vaccination, you don't need a mask. So, Christian, <laughs> what are you going to do now? You're going to walk in and you're going to let them believe that you've had the vaccination? How do you handle that? I think I think Satan is just beautiful. Well, the, the things that he puts in front of us that we have to work out, and it's good. It's good. It tests us, and it really, it really, uh, it really gives us something to do. But basically, what I see this as doing is. Uh, it's letting a little air out of the pressure balloon. There's a lot of groups like myself, small groups locally that are working very hard, very hard to maintain our freedoms and liberties. We don't want to have to wear a medical device or get some sort of a medical treatment. We know what's best for us and the governor and the president of the United States and our state senators should not be in control of our health. And we need to get that back. This is an opportunity to do that. So they are letting the air out of the balloon. So we need to keep up the pressure. Just just a warning. We need to keep up the pressure. And trust, they'll be back soon. I think, uh, I think the mask and testing industry is something like a $2 billion industry. That's $2 billion. It's a lot of money. And... They're not going to give that up easily, nor is the government going to be likely to give up the power that they've taken from us in terms of freedoms and liberties. Boy, the things they've done to us. 
So there might be it might be a new strain that's coming up, a new virus or something that will maintain the government's control over your life. Your liberties and freedoms are the staple food of the communist. This is the main diet of communism. You must keep up the pressure and not be distracted, especially at the local level. Speaking of eating, transition, our special guest today is Shad Sullivan. He's the Republican California USA Private Property Rights Committee Chair and also represents the state of Texas as regional director. Mr. Sullivan is a fifth-generation native to the southeast, Colorado, and his ranch borders, and is also in Texas. He was raised on the family ranching operation on Antelope Mesa in northwestern Crawley County. Shad learned early on the importance of hard work. Boy, I don't know. I could not do it. I, I worked summers baling hay and doing some farm work, and, and, and Shad, you can have all that. You can have all that you want, buddy. That's fine with me. After earning a BS in agriculture, Shad returned to the family ranch to help perpetuate family tradition of land stewardship and beef production. He spends his time between the family operations in Texas and Colorado. His greatest love is watching the cattle grow. What I'm presenting to you today and what Chad Chad and I are going to speak about, I want to motivate you. This isn't this isn't to scare you. This isn't fear porn. This is to make you awake. But if you don't do anything with it, then we're all wasting our time. And you can become a good little commie. Shad, welcome to Wisconsin News. And the first question, without further ado, is where's the beef? Well, thanks for having me. Uh, where's the beef? That's a good question. There's a lot of things happening in the beef industry that are very concerning and uh, just like uh, what's happening across the United States. A lot of things that are are really concerning and uh, all of it ties back to our freedom and liberty. Amen. Amen. But but I'm eating regular shad and the, pr- the price has gone up a little bit. But I'm not, I'm not, I don't see anything to be concerned about. Should I be? Well, well, I would say that uh, I don't know where you're buying your beef from, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of things to be concerned about right now. Uh, you know, if we're talking about coming off the heels of COVID, um, if we're talking about uh, control and, and uh, monopolization of our industry, which is what we're really under the gun right now. You know, we've we've been complaining for uh, 20 years that the oligarchy, uh, the few who control the masses, um, have our industry under attack, and uh, we've got some real problems here. And COVID kind of exacerbated those prob- problems. They did not; it did not create those problems. We have a um, an issue of monopolization uh, in our industry, and uh, those uh, the problems that come along with that um, were exacerbated by COVID. And um, you may or may not have seen a video I did last year talking about uh, our food supply chains and the, the, the danger that they are in. And uh, COVID really woke a lot of people up and uh, started making people think about their food supply. And one thing that uh, Americans need to understand right now is that a centralized food supply system is a food security issue. Um, and uh, this can turn into a real wreck real fast, as we saw last April and May when we were able to get supply chains rolling because of a so-called pandemic that, hit with, that we thought maybe we were through part of it and we were just beginning, you know, and uh, there's a lot of things to be considered, but Americans need to really wake up and uh, understand where their food comes from and uh, do the do the things that it that it requires to uh, prepare your family for a safe uh, food safety. Shat, I've got plenty of toilet paper, and I got plenty of paper towels. Okay, I mean I got my staples. I'm not I'm not worried about beef. Am I? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Question you have to answer. Right. I'm worried about our. I'm worried about. Uh, our country. I'm worried. Yeah, I, I know. I know. You know I'm, I'm being facetious. I'm being facetious. I know you are. 
we, you have, I, I remember the mom and pop grocery stores when I was growing up, mm-hmm. uh, the A and P, uh, I, I ran the names of the local owners and then, and then it started to change. And that's kind of sort of what's happening in the beef industry. Is it not? That's exactly right. Uh, we have allowed concentration to occur in the beef industry. So, um, Let's take the United States, for example. Um, Four main packing companies control 85% of the beef supply chain. And uh, that has become a real problem because what they're able to do is control the prices on both ends. So as they kill or import uh, beef from other countries, they are able to uh, put that cheaper beef upon uh, our product here in the United States, and it depresses prices for producers. And at the same time, uh, your your beef in the store goes up, and uh, you pay. So the consumer pays, and the uh, producer pays the price uh, for a monopolized food system. We have laws in the United States um, against uh, antitrust laws against these practices, and. Um, they are, you know, the Packers and Stockyards Act of 1921, uh, the Sherman Act. Uh, these, these are all laws that can be applied today to stop uh, the danger in our food system. And uh, we sure need the Department of Justice to step out there and start doing something about this because it's not just the beef, beef industry, uh, although that is my industry and that is priority for me. Um, it is also, you know, the lumber industry, uh, the steel industry. Yeah, yeah. You know, farming across the board. We saw last year, uh, if, if you weren't, if you weren't, if you didn't see it, you weren't paying attention, but we saw vegetable crops being plowed under. We saw um, depopulation in chicken and hog, um, ho- the hog industry. So uh, we've got some problems and that's really what spurred uh, me to take action, um, you know, a year ago in, in the beef industry. Do we have a shortage of beef? Do we have uh, an excess of beef? You, met, you mentioned plowing uh, crops underneath. What, what is happening in the beef industry? Is it something no, like that? No, we don't have a shortage. Okay. We don't have a shortage of beef in the United States, but we do have a, su- a supply chain problem. So, for example, last April, um, workers in those plants started getting COVID and they didn't come to work. And although the president of the United States, Donald Trump, did it sign an executive order requiring those packing facilities to stay open? You can't make those guys go to work. So we had a backlog of cattle um, and it really, uh, really messed with our food supply chain. You know, you, you saw uh, empty shells, empty beef shells. Well, that's what, that's what happened. We could not get the cattle um, processed uh, and they, and they backed up. And uh, really what spurred me was the United States department of agriculture sent out a, email to producers across the nation warning that they would be helping with the depopulation and disposal of um, livestock. And I had already seen what was happening in the chicken and, and hog industry. And I, I knew what they meant. It was the beef industry. We have not today had to uh, depopulate the beef industry. Is it something that might happen in the near future? And no, Okay. No, it won't. It won't happen in the United States. I don't think we can afford to let that happen. And beef is a little different than those than the other two, um, chicken and hogs. Uh, beef takes, you know, eighteen to twenty four months to mature and uh, be able to uh, um, process. So you can't just, uh, you know, chickens, hogs, matter of months uh, or a matter of weeks to months. Um, but cattle are different. So uh, we can't just start depopulating the cattle and, uh, and, and reboot that takes, you know, it's a years long process. Things were different under Trump. Yes or no. <sighs> Politically speaking, they were very different. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah. Okay. You know, Trump, Trump, uh, yes, things were different under Trump. I think, you know, I was not happy with Trump's pick for a secretary of agriculture, um, Sonny Perdue, he did not help us. He's a globalist and um, he did not help our industry. But if we could have um, formed a closer relationship uh, with Trump as producers in this nation, I think we could have got a lot more done. He did support us and he was he was a, a good 
he was good to us in certain ways, but in certain ways, he just, I don't think he had the knowledge of what needed to take place. And he was getting, um, he was getting uh, advice that really wasn't pro industry. If things continue as they are right now, where do you see the beef supply or the, the, where do you see the beef in the next two to five years? Well, if, if there's not a change in our industry, and when I say a change, if we don't uh, change the monopolization, the central mm-hmm. of our food supply, um, you're going to be more dependent on uh, those big companies that control and rule the world. And uh, I think that's a real problem. And I think it's coming uh, now under this administration. Do we have a chance of picking up those break uh, those who are breaking antitrust laws? Yeah, I think there's a real chance. But on the other side of that, I think this administration is anti-agriculture. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a two-edged sword. We're going to have to take some and leave some. But, uh, you know, as far as being able to um, put food on your table, you will be put food on your table. And the, I, I say this to consumers. I think the consumer needs to concentrate on farm-to-table eating and get back to uh, the natural progression of, of that, of knowing where their food comes from. I think it's very important. Uh, we have the supply. Uh, there's, there's, we're not short on beef in this country, um, but uh, we need to focus on knowing where our food comes from. And that's why I'm always pushing mandatory country of origin labeling. There's only two, uh, two products in the United States that are not required to put mandatory country of origin labeling on their product. And that's the beef and pork industries. So uh, I think that's very important. Interesting. I, I noticed a while back, and I don't know whether it's changed or not, but the hamburger comes to mind. The hamburger that was on the shelves seemed to be prepackaged as so it didn't, it didn't look as good as the other beef. It, it like, I think it came directly from the suppliers. So in the United States, we can import meat from other countries, say 21 other countries, Mm -hmm. and we can bring that meat in and repackage it, and it becomes a a product of the USA. It will have a product of the USA label on it, which is highly deceptive because that does not say it was born and raised in the United States. What it means is it may have been repackaged. Now, U.S. cattle producers – and U.S. beef producers are the very best in the world. There are nobody, there is no other country that can uh, even compare to our quality product. We are under extremely um, uh, uh, hard, um, you know, we, we, we have to raise our cattle in a certain way. And uh, our regulations are very strong in this country. Our, our health and safety standards are very strong. Our, our medical standards are very strong. And those are not, that is not the case in other countries. And yet we continue to bring a lot of that meat in and um, we repackage it and it's deceptive to the consumer. And that's why I really preach mandatory country of original labeling and to always demand USA beef uh, wherever you go. And there is a difference. There's a quality difference. I have uh, been selling beef um, by the pound for over a year now. And, People are so surprised. I raise these cattle myself. I grow them up their whole life. Um, I own their mothers. I own their fathers. And uh, when I process those cattle and sell that meat, people, the consumer loves it. I can't keep it in my freezers. They, they say it's the best beef they've ever eaten. And so there is a quality difference between imported beef and um, uh, USA, USA grown, born, raised, and harvested beef. What uh, contact, somebody asked the question, uh, where can I buy your beef? Well, I don't ship my beef, but there are very, there are a whole lot of suppliers out there and you can go to usabeef.org, usabeef.org. And uh, that, that is a website that we set up at RCAF USA, which is um, the largest independent producer run organization representing the beef industry in the United States. And you can go to that website and click on your state. There are over 500 uh, local producers that you will, uh, that website will help you engage to purchase their beef on that level. 
Okay. Uh, Spencer, you got that video. I think, I think it might help us uh, help some of the listeners explain a bit, a little bit about where we're going with this and what the concerns are. So if you can key that up and play that for us. And, uh, and I, I do appreciate your efforts. Uh, this, this uh, having large entities in control of the news media is a bad thing and have large entities in control of our meat beef industry is a bad thing. Having large entities in control of basically anything is a bad thing because it's just, it doesn't give the individual the chance to make uh, decisions. Those decisions have already been made for them. Absolutely. All of these issues in our industry are Liberty issues. Every single one no. of them got to Liberty. No, uh, the other one for uh, our guest. You said you had that up? Okay. I appreciate it. Hey, everybody. This is Shad Sullivan coming to you from the headwaters of Bitter Creek, Archer County, North Texas. We have to talk. State officials will be assisting to help identify potential alternative markets if a producer is unable to move animals and, if necessary, advise and assist on depopulation and disposal methods. Ladies and gentlemen, we are plowing under vegetable crops from coast to coast. We are euthanizing millions of chickens. We are aborting sows and burying feeder pigs. We are dumping milk by the hundreds of thousands of gallons, and now they are preparing us to depopulate the fat cattle ready to harvest because of a bottleneck created by the effects of COVID. This thing hasn't been created by COVID, but the effects of COVID and the logistics therein. We are in trouble. Our food supply is in trouble and I am appealing to producers and consumers across the nation to start calling. Yesterday, the first shipment of imported beef from the country of Namibia hit the shores of the United States of America. And yet this morning, they are telling us to prepare to euthanize harvest-ready cattle. Am I the only one that sees a problem in this? It is time we get the American people back to work. It is time we get money flowing. It is time we get food on the shelves. Because if you're not concerned about this food supply problem, you better be. We have a huge supply and demand of food across this nation. We can feed the world ourselves, and yet we're destroying our harvests. At the same time, we are importing beef from other countries, beef that is less regulated than our beef, less safe, not as high quality of product, and yet it's happening. At the same time, they are preparing for us to euthanize our harvests. Does that make sense to America? For the last 10 years, we have been uh, pressed to be sustainable. I've said all along, sustainability is a fraud. And right now, we're being forced to destroy our harvests. That doesn't sound like sustainability to me. But it is part of the overall goal to vertically integrate your food system. You see, they cannot have control of the people unless they have control of the food, the water, the land, production. It is time we get back to work. It is time uh, the American people force uh, the government to listen to us. We are of, by, and for the people. This is not Nancy Pelosi's country. This is not Donald Trump's country. This is your country, and you're going to go hungry. We must get regional 
and local packing houses up and going. Do we have to have those big, big packing plants? You bet we do, and they need to be running right now. We need help. You as a consumer are in trouble. My dad told me years ago the best thing that would happen to America is if everybody had to sit in the dark, cold and hungry, and that would wake them up. Well, I think it's coming. We're in a dangerous position, ladies and gentlemen. We need to get inspectors into these small plants. We need to get better inspectors. We need to get going on this today, not tomorrow, today. You need to be calling your legislators. We need to be opening up the country. Your food supply is in danger. Ranchers are going broke every day. We're doing all we can to stay here. We are in crisis in America. This is a crisis. This is a national crisis. And everybody's just sitting back enjoying their time off, enjoying that $1,200, not knowing that overnight you're gonna go hungry. It's coming. Ladies and gentlemen, we need your help. We need your help today. Everybody, all hands on deck. It's time. We need you to go to USA, uh, demandusabeef.com, sign the petition for country of original labeling. People want to know where their food comes from. I don't want any beef out of Namibia. I don't want any beef out of Brazil. I want my own beef. I'm blessed to be able to eat my own beef. But a lot of you aren't. And you need the freedom to choose your product. Demand mandatory country of origin labeling. Demand that these people get back to work. Where have our patriots gone? Where are you? I ask you that today. This thing's going to be incredibly tough overnight. It's already tough. You think the shelves were empty two weeks ago. You just wait. We have a bottleneck in this processing facility and the logistics in this uh, transportation system of our food supply. You think we're not in trouble? We are. I'm sorry. My tone is so bad. I'm so upset. But we have got to get this going today, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate your support. Producers, start reaching out to consumers. Forget these associations. Forget all of the the corrupt bullcrap that's been going on, we got to put a stop to it too. It's time. My apologies for my tone. I'm worried about my country. Try to make it a good day, you guys. Thanks. Shad, we're going to take a break. Um, and I want you to okay. think about this. We come back. I want you to answer this question. I heard depopulation, disposal methods, non-sustainable, and foreign intervention. And I didn't get that sense when we first talked. But after listening to that video, I'm more concerned about what might happen with our food supply, especially the beef industry. So when we come after the break, get a few more answers, and then I'll let you go because I know you got. I know you got to go out and ride a calf or something. <laughs> You're, we're good. We're good. You've been looking for a trusted, long-term, storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from simplycleanfoods.net, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Right now, Amazon Prime members will receive fast two-day shipping. Go to simplycleanfoods.net. That's simplycleanfoods.net. But do it today. At the McClario Firm, it all starts with family. We are here to serve you and your family online or in person. Call today for a free consultation. The McClario Firm, your law firm for life. Start. Pornography is a destructive force. It destroys individuals, families, and fuels the out-of-control demand for sex trafficking. 45% of Christian families say porn is a problem in their home, but why aren't churches and public schools talking about this? Fear. 
People who view porn think they're the only one. It's a lie. Statistically, more people view porn than who do not and struggle in silence. www.lynnfrederick.com. You can find the book I wrote about my own battle with porn and the presentations that I do for churches and public schools. lynnfrederick.com. Tired of bad news? Do the teenagers in your life need a break from social media and mind-numbing entertainment? Wouldn't it be great to inspire them to connect with God and others and to live outside their phones? The Off the Itinerary series by M. Liz Boyle does just that, and reviewers love the blend of adventure and Christian themes. Readers enjoy the action-packed stories and relatable characters. Go to mlizboyle.com for discussion guides and purchase links. And welcome back. We're speaking with uh, Shad Sullivan. Is it fair to call you a cattle rancher? I am. That's what I am. I'm a cattle rancher. <laughs> Uh, generational, generational, um, yes, sir. Inter- interesting conver- com- conversation. There's a lot, a lot's going on with COVID. Most industries, if not all industries have been hit hard. The, the, the big, the mega businesses, uh, have, have made, well, like Costco, et cetera, have really made out like bandits during all this. And the small farmer type farm cattle ranchers type have really had to scramble to get to get along and really hurting competition i'd ask you a question before the break and that's about the depopulation disposal methods uh sustainability we're okay now but what happens if we start to feel pressure again and these these large uh these four suppliers you're talking about they supply not just american beef but they probably they supply foreign beef as well correct that's correct and wherever they could get it the cheapest, you suppose? That's, that's correct. That's Most right. economical. That's okay. right. And we do raise the best beef. So what Absolutely. what would you want? What would you want our audience to do? And I think I think Clay has a question. So I'll let Clay go ahead and ask yeah. the question. And then maybe you can answer his question and mine. Okay. Hey Clay. Hey Shed. Uh, one, let me just thank you for being a patriot, man. If everybody spoke up and had the attitude that you did, America wouldn't be in the shape it's in right now. We love my country. Uh, I got so many questions, so I'm just going to pick one. Uh, Is the American consumer fairly naive overall about uh, product labeling? Uh, I don't think that American consumers know what to look for and they're fooled by product labels. So, Something like a label that says grass-fed beef. Does grass-fed beef mean that it's out there ranging on your ranch in Texas and and that everything's great? Not necessarily, Clay. Now you can have you can we can put any label we want um, on our beef, and that might be a private entity, which it is a private entity that would be uh, labeling their beef grass-fed. But the funny thing is, it's it's funny that you ask out of that video when I talked about Namibian beef hitting our shores, that was an American company, uh, an American grass fed company uh, uh, importing that beef uh, to the American consumer. That's that was so ironic that you asked that question. The definite God thing there. Um, the the labeling process in the United States is the greatest deception uh, on the consumer in history concerning the beef, beef, uh, concerning the beef industry, because they don't have to, we did have country of origin, mandatory country of origin labeling, but it was, um, it was taken away from us by Congress in 2013 because, um, Canada and Mexico sued the United States because basically they're in those, uh, processing facilities, they would have to segregate, their animals from the American animals. And they would, we would have to identify that. And they claimed that was too costly. Uh, and it's not. So uh, that's why we no longer have mandatory country of origin labeling. The consumer, I believe it is a, it's a liberty issue. I, I tell everybody that these issues are all liberty issues. Um, the consumer should have the freedom to choose where their food comes from. And they do in every single uh, area of their life except uh, beef and pork. So we have to ask ourselves, why is beef and pork that way? 
Well, it's because those big importers, those big packing companies or, or importing meat companies, uh, they, they have a little thing called pay to play. And uh, pay to play ruined America, this lobbying money. And uh, they lobby to take those rules away. And they did take it away. And we had an immediate drop um, in cattle prices. In fact, in 2015, we had the fastest and largest drop in cattle prices in history. And we have never recovered from that in the last five years. Uh, I think it's very important that the consumer demand uh, when they purchase their beef or at least uh, learn about where they can get uh, USA born raised and harvested beef. Um, but I think that you should call their legislators and say, Hey, we want mandatory country of origin labeling back because we deserve the freedom to choose where our beef comes from. I, I, it scares me to death to put things in the consumer hands these days. Okay. These are the same consumers that are wearing masks and taking experimental vaccines. Let me, let me, if the CDC announced today that you no longer had to wear a life jacket outside in case of rain and they put guidelines in place, you know, until well, it's safe me, means never, right? Let me interrupt you for a minute, BJ, because right. that's a really important uh, issue that you spoke on. There is a difference. Uh, government intervention in terms of mandatory country of origin labeling is a freedom maker. The CDC requiring you to wear masks is a freedom taker. And we have to realize that there is a difference there. Because we want the we you know we have a constitution here in this these United States and those are laws we created to uphold freedom and liberty and mandatory country of origin is a would be a law that upholds freedom and liberty where these mandates with uh, from the CDC your president the state uh, communistic state uh, governors uh, these are laws that take your liberty so we need to be liberty makers liberty instead of liberty takers. And that's the main difference. I understand that people don't like government uh, intrusion. We need to have a small and limited government. But when you have oligarchies breaking laws every day, monopolies breaking these laws every single day, and, and the, and the uh, consumer and the producers pay the consequence, they pay high on one end and they don't get enough on the other end. Those people are breaking laws. We need government intrusion there. We have laws that should be applied to those people and they should pay the price, right? So we have, we ha we have to have a limited government, a small government, but we have to uphold liberty and freedom. And that's the main difference I'm trying to uh, uh, get across to you. Did you have a follow-up, Clay? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's like I say, I could, we could just go on and on, but is either political party a friend of the American cattle farmer, Shad, or are y'all just picking the, the best of the two when you get support? Well, our, our industry, Clay, is divided, and uh, at RCAF USA, we are apolitical. We have a lot of Democrat um, uh, uh, members, and we have a lot of Republican members. What we have to understand, though, is the Democratic Party uh, is there's two sets to that. There's the new Democrats, which is the communists, the globalists. And then there's the old Democrat uh, Party that uh, is mostly made up of our members. So we're, we are apolitical um, in terms of the industry itself. Uh, producers are more Republican oriented. Um, and but here's the problem with that. When you have a. Uh, uh, okay, for example, we pay a tax on every animal that we sell. So we pay a $1 a head. It's called the, the beef checkoff. We pay it on every animal that gets sold in the United States. That comes to about $80 million per year. Well, that money goes into a fund, and then you can become a supplier of the, of the beef checkoff, or uh, uh, they push, push that money out as needed to certain organizations. Well, the largest organization gets the majority of the money, about 50% to uh, lobby as they want. And uh, what happens is when you get that much money, 
you become corrupt, right? And these organizations are now corrupt and they've been infiltrated by those who run the oligarchies or by those radical environmentalists and they've all become corrupt. So what we're, what we're seeing now is the Republicans pushing it one way. They're taking us to serfdom through big business and the Democrats want communism and they're taking us to serfdom through communism. And we've got to come back and find a balance in America or we're going to lose our country. Well, that was my thought there, Chad, was, uh, you know, it, it seems like neither political party is in support of America and the American cattle farmers right now. We're all in the same boat. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to I don't even know. I don't know how to change it. I'm not a politician. I mean, I'm just a rancher uh, and uh, I want to watch my cattle grow. Right. But we have to we have to become organized and we have producers. Producers are getting organized now because so many of us are going out of business. We have record uh, record amount of farm bankruptcies in Oklahoma. Now, this year, since covid the record amount of suicides among farmers and ranchers in the United States. These things need to be addressed and we have to take pay to play. I'm telling you this pay to play deal is incredibly dangerous. I, 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 I'm more personally, I'm more Republican oriented, but I see them as wings on the same bird, right? Because I'm a conservative. I'm a, I, I, I'm who I am. I'm a, I'm a constitutional conservative. I'm a, I'm a believer in the Bible. Uh, I follow Jesus uh, but these the other side there, we have to understand they're taking us to the same place just by different methods. So we, the independent people, independent things of America have to come back out and say, hey, we're not going to allow this stuff. We're not going to allow nonsense on either side. This isn't capitalism. This isn't liberty. This isn't freedom. This isn't what our forefathers wrote. This isn't what uh, the people that came before us fought for. If that makes sense. Very enlightening. Very enlightening. Uh, contact information again for you, Chad. Yeah, you can just look me up on Facebook at Chad Sullivan um, and uh, ask me any questions you you want. You can also uh, reach me via email at rcafusa.com, uh, labelourbeef.com. And when somebody calls their congressman and says, where's the beef, what else do they need to say? They need to say, number one, we have to decentralize our beef industry. Number two, we have to demand mandatory country of origin labeling. And number three, we have to have more price transparency across the board. But the consumers, the consumers really need to focus on mandatory country of origin labeling. They deserve to know the truth. They deserve to have the liberty to choose where their food comes from. Yeah, a monopoly and an oligarchy are pretty, pretty well, they're almost twins. Yeah. They're almost twins. And they, and they, yeah. they have the same results. And it's never... And I, and I, I'm always emphasizing getting back to the local level. That's absolutely. And, and, and we really need to focus on that. Uh, You know, these, this, these mask mandates that needs to start on the local level. You know, I've always said there was two reasons for a mask. And number one was to shutter the gospel of Jesus Christ. And number (laughs) two um, would fall in line uh, with that. But uh, yeah, help us out. Call your senators, your congressmen. Uh, start at the state level, go to the national level. We need some help in the beef industry or we're not going to have an industry at all. Amen. Thank you, Shad. Thank you very much. Thank you guys. Hey, speaking of COVID, this, I found, I read an article just a couple of days ago and I found this very interesting. There, 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 so much of this is happening. We just don't know what's happening. We really don't know. You've, you've got Sarah's reports and th- those are the, the reports that come, the people that have been damaged by the vaccines and the the vaccine industry, the the news media, the politicians, the, the state workers all want to hide every bit of that, every bit of that. And it's a shame because people are being hurt. Um, I, I was I was on a call this morning and a young lady was talking about her uh, her father-in-law who got the shot. And I would like to see I would like to see a study said on this such and such date, this is the shot that the individual got first or second shot. Um, And then where they are in terms of physical capabilities, three months down the road, I would love to see that study. I think it would be shocking when you compared it to the rest of the public. 
But anyway, her, her father-in-law, 80 years old, healthy, active, gone after the shot. Now, if you were reporting for COVID, you would say, you know, died with COVID, right? But they don't tell you died with COVID shot. This, this, this information is just incredible. Eric Clapton, I think most of you know who he is. He's a rock legend. He had the shot and claimed a disastrous reaction to the jab. He thought he'd never play again music. A circumstance he blamed on propaganda that the vaccine was safe for everyone. That's what we hear. It's been a one-sided conversation, hasn't it? All along. If you, if you if you make decisions based on information and you only get one side of the information, what's your decision going to be? What's your decision? How do you change it? Again, back at the local level. We're working here locally in our area, and I recommend you do the same. Don't, don't try Washington, D.C., please. I mean, you can do it for an exercise, but don't expect anything out of it. You can get 10 million people to march on Washington, D.C., and the only thing that, that they're going to look for and help you with is leaving Washington, D.C. They're not going to help you get anything done like that. Yeah, Bill Gates promoting synthetic. I get that. Uh, well, Eric Clapton, 76 years old, British guitarist, dropped the bombshell in a letter to architect and anti-lockdown activist after receiving the AstraZeneca shot in February. The correspondence was shared with uh, Clapton's permission. He took the jab of AZ and straight away had severe reaction, which lasted 10 days. He recovered eventually and was told it would be 12 weeks before the second one. The three-time Rock and Roll Hall of Famer wrote in a letter, Clapton added that he was actually offered the second shot six weeks later, which he accepted despite his initial reaction. We're being brainwashed here, folks. We're being brainwashed. He he wished he had a little more knowledge of the danger. And and those kind of events are happening. I know people here locally that have known other people that have gotten a shot sometimes sooner than three months. Sometimes within a month or within two weeks, they're no longer with us. So what do you do? I had mentioned something earlier about prayer. And uh, I, I really, I really want to share this with you because I think I think it's going to help us. Number one, get along better as Christians. And if somebody has raised their hand, let me know because I'm 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 not paying attention right now. Deanne and Dick, go. I'm sorry, Deanne and Dick, go ahead, please. You have your hand up. I can't hear anything if they're saying anything. Maybe. Hello? Dean? Yeah, we're, you're right, Clay. We're in a war and we don't even know it. But we're feeling it. <laughs> Again, I was listening to a discussion earlier this week, and it was about prayer. And it got very interesting, got very interesting. I mean, we, we, we talked about what exactly prayer was, and that became interesting as well. But the, the subject came up about prayer and works, and it always does. And there's the saying that prayer without works is dead, right? But what if prayer is all you can do? Then what? Hmm? Does that make you wrong? Or what if you're what if you're just a worker? Or maybe you're like Nehemiah on the, on the way to the king you're praying. What do you do? What's the right way? What is the proper thing to do? What prayer work? What do we do with that? And a lot of prayer warriors get uncomfortable when accused of not doing works, and workers get uncomfortable when they don't <laughs> they say they aren't praying enough. So, by the way, how much is enough prayer? The Bible kind of tells us to pray continually, doesn't it? Are you praying continually? So, what's the answer to the question? 
It wasn't until recently and through a best friend, I was given what I consider a revelation with regards to works and prayer. What if we look at the question in terms of a recipe? There are definite ingredients here. And both, among others, must be in the mix, right? In order to, say, bake a loaf of bread, you need yeast, you need flour. They're all, they all have to be there, is the answer to the question. How much is too much? How much is too little? That's kind of up to our creator, I think, to, to decide that. Don't you? Anyway, I, I like the idea of looking at this as a recipe. And yeah, you've got to have prayer and you've got to have works. But that doesn't mean you have to have all the ingredients when you come in. You may just be supplying one of the ingredients. And I think that's going to be enough. And what does the Bible say? Where there's unity, the Lord commands a blessing. I like that idea. I like that idea a lot. Still got your hand up there, Dan and Dick. I don't, I don't know whether you tried to get in. <laughs> well, anyway, Eric Clapton, uh, we want you, if you would, bring up our uh, Natural Family Foundation website. If you're on a computer, try checking your microphone settings. Okay. What we are encouraging, folks. What we're encouraging you to do is to get get engaged in the culture war. You can make it a home game where they come to you, or you can make it a away game. And this is the kind of game that you want to play away. You don't want to play in the home. But like with COVID, that's where most of this game is being played. What COVID has done to the homes is sinful and shameful. Sons and daughters haven't seen their 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 parents. For a year, for a year, for a year, all kinds of fear going on. But this is our decision. The de- your healthcare decision. What's the old, what's the saying? My body, my choice should be your body, your choice. I hate the assumptive that when I walk into some place and I don't have a mask on, that somebody is assuming that I want to hurt them or that I want to hurt somebody else in there, and they scowl at me, they'll yell at me, put on a mask. You know, what are you going to do now with the, with the vaccine, right? This is, this, we, we, what we're trying to do here locally is to get local leaders, actually they're public servants, to pass laws, pass ordinances, pass a declaration, make it understood. The, the businesses are the key here. They're, they're controlling everything. There isn't even a law that says you can't do this or you can't do that when it comes to the mask or the vaccination, et cetera. It's not really a law. But the businesses are acting like there is one. And they're acting based upon public opinion. And the public opinion has been controlled by what? White Castle doctors that work for the government all their lives that have incomplete and inconsistent. Fauci's at it again, by the way, with the mask. When when did he stop lying? I want tell me when when exactly was it when he stopped lying? And he's even admitted to it for the good of the order, right? At the local level, this weekend we're going to be in the local city, and we're going to have handouts for people, and we're going to encourage them to encourage their public servants to encourage businesses not to have their patient, not patients, not to have their clientele wear masks or even have the shot. But we have an opportunity. You can look at COVID as something bad, or you can look at COVID as, as an opportunity. And we want you to look at it as an opportunity. And we also want you to do pray and do, <laughs> but do this is one you can do both of. Got it. Got it. Any questions? Any comments? I really like our guest today. Just just wanted to offer a different side to what's going on. And when I when I when I addressed uh, our city council 
I asked two favors of them. <clears throat> I asked them to pass a law or an ordinance or a declaration that would protect me. Or, and here's here's a biggie. When was the COVID debate? I don't, do you remember when that was, Spencer? I can't, when, when officially was that debate? I can't, I can't remember when that was. But we're asking the city council to conduct a debate. They've had the local health director come in and tell us how bad COVID is and how we need a vaccine. But we, we're in Ohio. We want somebody like Sherry Tenpenny to come in and say, okay, here's the other side of the issue. Now you make the decision. I think that's something that really needs to happen and that, that we can ask for. Look, at I, I, I don't... I don't like the way we're treating ourselves as family. I don't like the way we're treating ourselves in the public. It's shameful. I mean, when you walk into a store, it's just, it's just absolutely shameful how you're treated. I made the statement before that, that I grew up in the fifties and sixties and the KKK was around and I didn't really know what it was like to be a black in that, in that day and era. But I'll be honest with you. You want to get a good indication of what that's like? Walk into a local retail establishment without a mask on. And you're going to get a pretty good idea of what it's like. Absolutely amazing. This is America, folks. This isn't, I hate to use this phrase, but this isn't who we are. This isn't who we are. The government has gotten way too big. And the two-party system has just... Well, it, it's it's like our guest said today, same wings, same bug, different legs, but it's exactly the same thing. And it's up to we, the people, to make a difference. You can sit and complain. You can you can point out all the the nuances that are happening. But if you're not prepared to do something about the problem that you see, you become part of the problem, don't you? And that's what we want to encourage you to do. Hey, you can you can you can hear more of me on Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern, last call radio dot live. Myself and Mr. Anderson. We call it Do Radio, Christian Talk Radio with a Sting. And we do encourage you to do. We give you things to do. You can go to our website, naturalfamilystrong.com, and you can locate things to do on that site. But this is really up to you. We're at, we're at a crossroads in America. And what you can see is our problems, or you can see them as opportunities. And this is coming from a guy that grew up knowing that behind every rainbow, there's a cloud. And believe me, folks, I can find a problem with anything. But I promised myself some time ago that until I brought up an issue, I had to have a resolution for it. Part of my resolution is the natural family. The problems we're having in America today, point blank, are due to the broken family. As goes the family, so goes the church. As goes the family, so goes business. So goes government. So goes education. As goes the family, so goes the world. And it wasn't by mistake that God created the family first. It's the foundation of all society. You want to fix America? Fix the broken family. If you don't do that first, I don't care what else. You can stop abortion. You could stop gay marriage. Maybe you could try to stop divorce. Or all the other things that are going on with, with, you know, it seems like every law that's passed out there right now is against marriage. It's, it's, It's against the family, trying to destroy it. And the Communist Manifesto says that. The Homosexual Manifesto says that. As goes the family, so goes the nation. I appreciate you uh, spending time with us today. I hope you learned something. I hope you got motivated. Thank you, Spencer. Thank you, Clay. Thank you, everybody that's listening in today. God bless all of you and Godspeed. Mm-hmm.